ass. <laughs> you alright? How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm just checking <laughs> everything's working. I've got such a piece of shit laptop. I won't lie. Um, I'm okay. Can you hear me? All right. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Fantastic. Nice to meet you, Liam. Yeah. Nice to meet you in person. I've been following you um, on social media and YouTube. It's all good fun. It's all good fun. Sure. We may as well just get into it then. Um, so yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Watkins, you're probably the perfect guest for this because this started off as a as like a mock radio show, and now it's turned into kind of a running podcast, and we talk about music okay. when we can. So you're the ideal guest. So I'll just read your Twitter bio. The f- former GB athlete who quit, rock and, who quit for rock and roll realized I was silly running again. So. <laughs> that's, it. that's it in a nutshell. Yes. So we'll get into all that. So um, I came across you with the runner review. So what are the running reviews and how did they come about? Uh, the running reviews was, it, it came about, during lockdown, it was an idea I had coming back from the shop with supplies, like the first trip to the shops during lockdown. Um, so it was quite an uncomfortable shop. I was covered in hand sanitizer and I just thought there must be more to life than living in fear like this when I got to the supermarket. So I always, I'm always just thinking of like cool things to do with running because I don't know, I just think running deserves to be shown off in and as exciting way as possible whenever it can. And I just thought, why don't I just run and review music at the same time? And then I, I kind of got really excited about the idea. So I rushed home, made sure nobody else was doing it. Or if somebody was doing it, I could kind of see how they were doing it and how I can make it different. And there was like nobody on the planet doing it. So <laughs> I, was, I was amazed that I'd invented something and I was just like, let's just go, let's just start now. So I think I started like the day after I had the idea, I just went and listened to Spice Girls and talked about it. So just explain to anyone that doesn't know what it is, like what, what do you do? So what I do is um, uh, I usually do a vote. So it started off with popular bands that I probably should have listened to, that people would have assumed I'd listened to. Um, I might have heard one or two songs, but I'd never heard an album. So I put a vote up. Uh, like saying, look, these are bands I've never heard an album of, which album should I run to? We do a vote and then the winning album, I will run to it, listen to it for the first time and just chat a load of nonsense about what that music is doing to me while trying to run as fast as I can without being out of breath. What I find listening to music, like if I do a playlist or an album, I can get carried away. How do you stop yourself from getting carried away? I I know I I I encourage myself to get carried away. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I just want to get lost as much as I can in that music. Um, uh, I kind of, I mean, there's been a few where I've been feeling really good in like the running sense, and I thought if I wasn't doing a running review here, I could really go for like a good time or 10k because I'm feeling super. But running's not about that anymore for me. I I really don't care about what I post on Strava or anything. So I just, I don't know. It's just like a, a thought that flashes through my brain and it's gone in a couple of seconds. I'm like, forget trying to run a PB or get a Strava segment. Just enjoy this album and, and just see where the album takes you. And now you've created Running Punks. So what, what is Running Punks? Running Punks is uh, an online and now a real life community of people who kind of know, the people who are aware that they're not perfect runners, they're not perfect people, and they just run as a way to improve themselves all around, to improve their fitness, to improve their mental well-being. 
to form connections with people they never met before and they got lots in common with. So it's yeah, it's just like a really loving, honest community of runners and music fans and enthusiastic people. And is is that a physical group? Do you meet up or is that just kind of an online community? Yeah, yeah, we, we started a run club in Cardiff, um, going from my friend's rehearsal and recording studio called Music Box. We meet down there uh, and we just run for an hour. No, like, no real set distance. We just go for an hour. Um, usually someone suggests like a loop we do and we just all run it together. But we've got one starting in London. I think it's next weekend. Uh, we've got one starting in Brooklyn in New York soon. And I think we've got one starting in Sao Paulo in Brazil very soon. It's like a band in Sao Paulo who just stumbled upon like the running reviews and they're all runners. So they're all going to start running together and they're just going to get a few mates in. So yeah, we've got run clubs popping up all over the world, <laughs> which is weird. It's, I think it, it, it overlaps a lot with the idols community because you see that with idols, like the community is, they just pop up all over the world. Yeah, totally. It's, I mean, it's um, idols like oh, me and Rodri who started running punks are massive idols fans. And we definitely saw like, the power that the, the community they created online for all the Idols fans. Um, and it, it goes beyond just being fans of Idols. It's like they share good music in general. And the, I, we noticed they're like really honest people with each other. And we were like, that's a cool community. That's amazing that that exists. Um, and yeah, we just thought, you know, there's got to be space for that in running as well. Um, and all it takes is like two or three people in a, in a city or a town to become running punks. And people see them out running and, People message us, oh, I just went for a run and someone asked me about my top. And then we'll get an order for that town or city. Someone will buy something. And it, very quickly, like two people becomes like 10 people anywhere in the world. So, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it's amazing that punk music, like when I first started listening to it, it's like just noise. But then when you actually start listening to it, it's all about like community and, you know, self-acceptance and all that. And that's probably what you're trying to do with running. I think like the thing, I've never been a massive lover of punk of punk music yeah i've never really been like a punk fan i've always i grew up listening to david bowie so stuff from the 60s and 70s and then brit pop so i kind of missed the late 70s stuff and the early 80s punk things but i've always known that like punk music is about like not worrying for perf- about perfection it's more about going for an idea instead of like the, the finished polished product it's about being really enthusiastic and passionate about something and then playing gigs at working men's clubs or anywhere just to get your music across or like your ideas. So I've, I've been drawn to like the idea of what a punk means more than the music itself. Uh, but since doing this, people have recommended I run to like things like the Dead Kennedys and uh, the Ramones, Bad Brains. And I've just become like a massive punk music fan as well. So it all just makes sense to me now. It's like, I love, the idea behind punk music and now I love punk music so it's it's fallen together nicely I, I suppose John Joseph was kind of a, a precursor to you he's the he's the bad brains guy. no he wasn't the bad brains he was is he the lead singer of bad brains oh I don't know I don't know do you know what like bad brains is a band that so many people have said like for years that I would like and I, I I've ran to I did a review of one of their albums and I've listened to them all now but I really don't know anything about the band <laughs> like I really don't know anything about them I'm so I'm so rubbish at stuff like that like I did a review of a band called Sleep the Kinney and I was like saying how good the bass lines were and there's not even a bass player in that <laughs> band so like, <laughs> I'm so bad at my band knowledge why do you think there has been a resurgence in punk music 
like in in society at large? I just think uh, possibly because we we're exposed to so much online now, uh, and so much of things that kind of make it to the top of our feed are coming from big corporations, or is definitely like I don't know. It is coming from a point of view that is to sell stuff. So you know, you you constantly getting bombarded with. Like if I'm scrolling through, I get bombarded with clips of Justin Bieber or Cardi B and all these like manufactured pop stuff, which is there to sell stuff. And I just think people have had enough of that. Uh, people don't like being told what to listen to. And I just think punk just, I don't know, it just, it's counterculture, isn't it? And it's just going against like what we are just forced to look at every day. Uh, and it's just, I don't know, I think it's a weird one because punk music requires people to get together in a room to practice and to write and now more than ever it's easy to write stuff at home record stuff on your computer at home so it's a bit strange that people are still looking for that human connection in the practice room and just getting sweaty and and writing fast punk songs so i i think it's just testament to people's desire to just make noise and get together it's like it goes back to being cavemen sitting around a fire it's just something inside us a longing for like that connection and just to, there's nothing better than to meet up with your mates and just scream in each other's faces with <laughs> guitars <laughs> it's so, a release that's what it is it's a form it's a release we all need yeah i think we need it now more than ever really yeah totally totally okay i want to get into your touching your running career a bit so you're obviously very you're a world finalist in the in the world indoors in 2006 so yeah. how did you get how did you get involved in athletics and how did you get to a stage where you just walked away um, I got involved in athletics by kind of like trying every sport possible and not liking it. <laughs> I was I was a really quiet and kind of awkward kid, and my parents' ways my parents' way of getting me to deal with that was to like just take me to sports clubs. So the first thing they took me to was Aikido and karate because there was a club near the house. Then it was like tennis, basketball, swimming. Uh, football, then I started really enjoying football because I enjoyed the running around bit of it. Like, just I'd be in the midfield and my job would just be to run after people all game. And then rugby, I was like on the wing or the centre and I loved the run inside. Uh, and I played rugby to a good level till I was about 21. I went to Australia to play for a year and I played for like well, schoolboys and stuff. And I don't know, rugby was just becoming a sport for massive people running into each other. <laughs> I was like, that is not for me. I'm quite a small guy. I'm quite, quite skinny for a rugby player. So I just thought, you know what? I did a bit of athletics in school. Let's give athletics another go. And I just, I just loved it. As soon as I had that freedom to run on my own, train on a track with people, I just absolutely fell in love with the sport. And then how did, how did you get to stage then where you, you walked away in what, 20, just 2008? 24. Yeah, it was like 24, I think I was 24 when I got to the final of the World Indoor Champs and then I quit when I was 25. So I was, I was young and like we, as, a, as like a funded athlete, you did all these tests in the lab and it kind of worked out that I would peak when I was 29, 30. They, they, I know, and they give you like a predicted time that you can run and so they were like, we'll target London Olympics when you're 30 something and like you will be in great shape by then. I just lost patience with it. Like <laughs> I was, um, I started doing races and I was like, I was traveling on my own. I wasn't really getting on with other athletes. Like while I was traveling, I, it was, it was weird. I spent more time reading books than socializing with other athletes. And I don't know. I just felt this, I just lost interest in it. 
Um, I was also wasn't picked for the Commonwealth Games for Wales, even though I'd won the trials and I'd run the qualifying time. I didn't. I wasn't picked. So kind of that really annoyed me. I just gradually fell out of love with sport and wanted more and more to do something which was based around art, like music. So yeah, it, it just felt like a totally natural decision at the time. Now I look back, like. 12 years later, and I just think to myself, what were you doing? You, you just, all, all you had to do was run for another four or five years and you could have gone to the Olympics of London. But at the time, I was just, I'm like a really enthusiastic person. And if I have an idea that I think like, I really want to throw myself into, I'll just go for it. And yeah, when I was 25, I just wanted to play guitar and sing in a rock band. <laughs> so I just knocked the sport on the head and it, it felt so easy to do. Yeah. What looking back now, what do you think could have been there that would have prevented you from from making that decision? Um, that's a good question. That is, that's a good question because people I cared about and knew kind of the potential I had as an athlete did try and stop me from doing it. Um, but but then at the same time, like people who care about you and love you want you to be happy, and they kn- they knew that I wasn't happy running. They knew that it got to the point where I wasn't enjoying the races. I was enjoying the training. Like I was enjoying track sessions more than actual races. I wasn't enjoying the politics around the sport. Um, so people knew that I was like, that it wasn't making me happy anymore. So I had people saying like, you got to do what makes you happy. But then I had like my coach saying, look, you're a real good talent to run in. Just, just stick at it. Um, I don't really know. Like, I think it sounds totally selfish, but I probably would have stayed in the sport if there was more money. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I probably, because I, I, I was, I was running as well, and I was getting picking up the occasional British vest. But I was still working. I still had a job, yeah. and you know, I just be. I was working in an office, and it's like you're in the office nine to five, and it's a bit crap, and you get people shouting at you on the phone. And it was kind of like, do you want to go down to the rehearsal studio and play guitar or go to the track and get shouted at again? <laughs> <laughs> Not shouted at, but you know what I mean? It, yeah, yeah. it kind of, the world of music seemed more of uh, a celebration of like just human creativity than running did. And But if I didn't have to go to work and I was looked after properly as an athlete, I would, just, I would definitely have stuck to the sport. Definitely. I think sometimes something needs to become a job for you to stick at it and running didn't feel like a job. So yeah. I felt like, well, I got nothing to lose by going. But, you know, if it was paying my bills and it was paying my rent, then I say, well, I need to stay because it's paying the bills. I think a lot of people are innately creative and I think it's maybe oppressed in running. Like you're, you're meant to just be 100% focused on running. Whereas if you had that bit of freedom to, to express your creativity, you might have actually, you might enjoy your running even more. I, yeah, do you know what? It's um, I'm really good friends with a, a runner called James T, and he's one of the best uh, middle distance, long distance coaches in the country now. And me and him had a chat. This was a couple of years ago. We had this chat. We went for a jog together, and I was just saying, do you know if like social media was a thing when I was a runner? Because there was no Twitter uh, or Instagram. If it was a thing, I would have stayed in athletics because. I could have had like a creative release doing like doing what I'm doing now, basically, but as a world-class athlete and that would have brought in extra money. You know, yeah. it would, have, it would have brought in all this extra level of like just awesomeness. I hate using that word, but it would have just made things so much cooler and I could have, yeah, like been confident to put my creativity on stuff, but like none of that was there when I was a runner. So 
any kind of idiosyncrasies, is that a word? Or any like quirks in your personality were kind of like seen as you not taking a sport seriously and you need to like, I was, I was told a couple of times, like I would be told things like stop shaking hands and smiling at like competitors before races. <laughs> it's like, but I'm just happy to see everyone. <laughs> like, I just, just want to see everybody in my race. So yeah, if there was an outlet for creativity, I would have loved it. Athletics in 2005, 2006, 2007 would have been amazing. Like if I could do, if I could do all these videos and stick them on YouTube, I would have absolutely loved it. But yeah, like you say, there was there was no outlet for it. It was weird. Yeah, but even you don't see much of it now. Just from a fan's perspective, it'd be great if an athlete like you was around now and and was doing all that stuff. Yeah, it's. I mean. Yeah, just why? Why don't they do it? I don't know. I don't. Why, why don't they do it? Um, like I, I got in trouble once because I was given an altitude tent to sleep in, and I told them that I love the altitude tent, and the best thing about it is that you can get drunk inside it really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I soon had the altitude tent taken off me. So maybe I should have learned from that, and maybe lots of professional athletes now are wary that if they say something stupid they can get the altitude tents off them. That's where it is. Everybody wants to keep the altitude tents. <laughs> but even I was talking to Corey Bellamore yesterday. He's the World Beer Mile record holder. And he, yes. And I was saying that's such a good marketing thing to have. Like you can leverage that in so many ways. And he was kind of saying, oh, some sponsors don't like it because you're like being a bad role model. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, Yeah, that's how, how was that? Like a, a bad role model? Like, obviously, but you're only drinking four pints. Um, and you're exercising at the same time and your body is showing that if it doesn't want toxins in his body, you will be sick. So that's a good role model. (laughs) (laughs) I love the beer mile. I've never done a beer mile and I would absolutely love to do one, but it'd have to be alcohol free because I... See, I've done a couple of them now and it's actually not the alcohol, it's the carbonation. So I don't think it would make much of a difference. Yeah, like 100%. I... I ran a 400 meters drunk in Belgium in 2006. I was absolutely steaming. Uh, and I think it's one of the fastest 400 meters I've ever run. And I run a bit, <laughs> I ran, I run a barefoot as well. And I beat, there was a British 400 meter runner. I think his name was Adam Potter. I'm not entirely sure. And so it, this was after the meeting. So we'd had the meeting and then it was like a beer tent there. And I think yeah. it was the end of the season. Uh, so we were all just drinking free beer, just loving life. And someone suggested like a drunk 400. I was like, yes, I am down with that. And I'm sure his name is Adam Potter. He wore a GB all-in-one and spikes. <laughs> and I was like, Do you know what? And I just went, I ran barefoot and I beat him. I beat him. <laughs> Nobody timed it, but I know it's the fastest 100 meters I've ever done. 100%. The, the alcohol numbs all the lactic. Yeah, I like what was lactic. It didn't even exist. I was just, I felt like I felt like a cave or a unicorn. I just could have kept on running all day. Okay, so, so then you just decided to join a, a rock band. Yes. A, after running. Yeah, I I started my own. That's what I did first of all. I just started my own band um, with two of my friends in Cardiff. What the drummer is actually one of the best ultramarathon runners in the world now, uh, and I think it's all down to playing drums with me. Like just trying to keep up. That's what built his stamina. So we, yeah, his name is Harry Jones, and he's an incredible runner. Uh, so we just started this band, and we were all just maniacs, and we all just played punk music as fast as we could, and people liked it. So how has it gone from like an athlete lifestyle to, to like a, a rock band lifestyle? <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> there's less drugs in music than there is in athletics, definitely. Oh. Uh, <laughs> 
um it was, i loved it i absolutely loved it because uh it was weird like as a runner i only had a few athletes who i kind of looked up to Bozakovsky was one of them the 800 meter runner from russia and probably bunga and maladzi 800 meter runners um but in terms of music i had so many idols so many heroes that i just wanted to be so I just went through a phase of just like trying to be like people I loved from rock and roll. So I went on like a massive drinking binge because I loved Jim Morrison. Oh, uh, I, I loved, I loved him, man. It, it was just total freedom, just total freedom. But you know, it comes with its downsides and alcohol and sleeping two or three hours a night is not good for you. And it definitely caught up with me. It uh, wasn't sustainable, no? No, 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 definitely not. But it was good fun to throw yourself into after years of being a fairly disciplined athlete. So I was listening to your interview on Idols Cast um, last week. Yeah. And I just at one point you, 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 you said um, you, you had been an emotional wreck caused by running at times. Like, do you want to expand on that and maybe some advice then to, to athletes that let their running maybe overwhelm them at times? Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a weird one because um, I think even though I come across as quite like a guy who knows what he wants and a guy who's quite confident. I also will let comments eat me away. Like if someone says something little to me, it will bug me. And I, I know people find that surprising. Uh, but like little things like I'd be eating food with my mum and dad and I'd have an extra bit of pudding. And my dad would say something like, oh, so-and-so wouldn't be eating an extra pudding. And it would just bug me. Like, do you know what I mean? It was just like, yeah. I'd laugh. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 okay. But then things like that would bug me and I became, I was obsessed with like just minor details. I was just obsessing over little things and that just, I don't know, like that just really got to the point where I, I was just carried away with it all and it, it just stopped being fun. I was no longer running for fun. I was always running to be faster than people, which is weird because as, as daft as it sounds, I started athletics because running was my favorite thing to do in all the other sports I tried. And I just wanted to do it because I love to run. But when I got to the elite level, it was no longer about that. It was about being faster than anybody else. And it's just, I don't know, that, that, that caused me a lot of, like, I don't know, just, it was difficult. I just found it difficult how, because I wanted to live no, as normal as possible as well. But like being told I couldn't do certain things, just, yeah, just bummed me out. And uh, like the time alone was tough. I really, I don't know, I'm a kind of person, if I'm on my own, the first thing I do is grab a book. So I just spent so much time reading and just, I just felt like myself softened mentally. I felt myself like I wasn't, I was no longer in the mindset of an elite athlete. I was just, I, like, just, I had so many ideas and I just felt my, my hardness and competitive edge softened as time went on. It was, it was bizarre. Yeah. So what would be some, if you could give some advice then maybe, could you think of any? Uh, I'd say, I'd say, like I, I know it's such an obvious thing to say, but make sure you're enjoying it. Uh, definitely don't be afraid of days off. <laughs> like take days off. I got to the point where I couldn't have a day off training and I was burning out. Um, I'd say, yeah, make sure you enjoy it. Uh, one thing that I wish I knew as an athlete then, which is something I kind of learned now, is that running is a skill and it's the same skill you'd have if you were a painter or a guitarist. And a few days off from playing guitar or painting doesn't mean you can no longer paint or play guitar. It might make you more inspired. So say you're struggling to write some songs, take a week off guitar. You might find the guitar will sound different to you after a week of not playing. And running 
is a skill like that. And I think if you're feeling fatigued and you're not motivated, it might be like an inspiration thing. You might no longer be inspired by running. So just take a little break from it and just don't worry about your fitness going. Just know that when you start again, you, you still have the same level of skill and that skill will make up for any fitness you feel you might have lost. So yeah, just treat it as creatively as possible and just, I don't know, respect it, respect it and don't overdo it. Yeah, it's an interesting way to look at it, but it, it's right. It's probably right in a way. I, I think so. I think so. Like, for example, now at the moment, I'm just doing really easy running, apart from when I'm doing the reviews, and I just feel much more motivated again. You know what I mean? It's like I've just eased off a bit rather than trying to run fast and 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 get fit. And I, I just wish I had the confidence to do that when I was a proper track athlete. Yeah, that's come up a good few times. It actually takes confidence to slow down a lot of the time. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and that's one of the biggest things I learned because when I started running again last year, I was really overweight. Like I lost six stone last year and the biggest change I had was learning to run slow. <laughs> like, just slowing it down and I enjoyed my running so much more when I run slow and the weight was flying off and I was just able to get up the next day and run again and feel good. So yeah, slow it down. Just take your time. So one of the things said in Idle's cast as well was you, you stop running to distance and just decide to run to time instead. Yeah, I still, that's something I, I still do now. Um, it's, it's weird, right? Because, you know, like if you've got a square hole, you try and put a round peg in it, it doesn't work. So, like, as you get older, you get busier. You know, I've got, I got, a, I got a little boy. We've got another, another baby on the way. I'm busy doing running punk stuff. So if I think of my day, I got, I'm awake for maybe 12 hours in a day. If I take that 12 hours, I think I need to get a 10 kilometer run in there. That's like a square hole with a round peg because 10 kilometers has got nothing to do with time. So if I just change that 10 kilometers to 45 minutes, I'll just say, oh, look, I got 12 hours awake and I got to get a 45 minute run in there. It just instantly feels easier to slot it into your day. So it's just something I just thought, you know what, I'm going to give it a try. Uh, and I do it now. I go, right, I'll do half hour today. And it just feels much more achievable than eight kilometers or do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's yeah. like, I can do it. I can do it. It's just, it's just a matter of fitting the time in, not, not trying to squeeze distance into your day. Uh, and another thing it does, it just slows you down. It slows you down. Like, if you run into distance, if you're aware of it or not, you will try and get it done as soon as you can. It's like emptying a dishwasher or something. You will be like, oh, the sooner I get this distance done, the, the, the quicker it's over with, and I can sit on a sofa and eat Nutella with a spoon. But if it's... <laughs> Time-wise, like, I can't do anything to speed up 30 minutes. 30 minutes has to pass. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah it's just, it's just, it feels like a more natural way to train. So, what sparked the decision to get back into running then, last year? Health. Health. A few panic attacks. Uh, yeah, it was, I got, I got healthy for a little bit, but that didn't last long. And I was just back on the pub all the time. Uh I was drinking like bottles of whiskey warm. I wouldn't think anything of it. I take a bottle of whiskey on a train and like, <laughs> kind of around Christmas time, uh, I just started feeling so rubbish, man. I knew I had to do something. And well, actually it started before that because for my birthday, my wife bought me uh, a photo in a frame of me on the start line at the final of the world championships. And then another photo in a frame of me running in the world final. So it was like these two really cool photos. There's nothing running related in the house. So we put that on the wall. I took a picture and shared it online and someone sent me a link to the video of the final. And I'd never seen the race. It's mad, I'd never seen our final. So 
I showed my wife. I said, look at this. You've got to watch this. And we didn't know each other at the time. So it was the first time she'd seen me race. And there's a bit, it's just before the race, where, like, I'm 24 years old. I've got a full head of hair. I'm super ripped. <laughs> and uh, the camera's on me, and I smile. And my wife just said, look, I recognise that smile. And then later that night, I was in bed, like, just thinking, what does she mean by that? Do I not smile anymore? And I just realised, like, that my problem wasn't that I was drinking too much or I'd got overweight and I was unhealthy. The problem was that that 24-year-old, I'd, I'd lost him. I'd stopped looking after him. So I just thought, like, what was that guy doing? What was I doing when I was 24 that made me so happy? I was running. And all of a sudden, I just knew I got to start running again. And that, that it, it was just that easy. It was that simple. And then I waited till New Year's Day and I just started running. That's class. Yeah, it's mad, man. It's like, I don't know, I tried for years. I've been trying for like five or six years to sort out my weight and my diet and everything. And then I was like, it's not about my diet. It's not about my, it's the fact that I'm not running. It's that simple. I just need to start running. And when I started running, everything just started changing. It's like my body took over the thinking for my mind. My mind was no longer in control. My body was in control. And for me, like, that's the best thing I've ever done is just, like, giving the keys to my body. Like, you drive now and we'll just see where, where you take us. And as I got healthier and, like, my belly started feeling better, my, my backside started feeling better, my knees started feeling better, like, my mind started feeling better. So, yeah, it's incredible. Good stuff. Yeah. So, so you kicked the booze as well? I have, yeah, nine months, nine months now. Was that easy? Was that a flick of the switch or was that something you really had to fight against? That was super easy. So easy. Like, um, it started last year. I think I had like six months off last year because I was training for some races and I just thought like I was working in a job I wasn't particularly enjoying and I was like drinking on weekends to celebrate the finishing the working week. And then I was finding on the days where I should have been doing the most training. I was a bit hungover and, you know, it was like just, it was messing up my training, which is weird because I'm like 36 years old and I'm not competitive anymore. But I was like, oh, it's just messing up my training. I'm, I can't run with a hangover. So I just, I was like, right, I'll, I won't drink until I've done a few races. So I drank over Christmas and stuff and like I was loving it. I was like celebrating a year of losing weight and, and running again. And then just in January, I, w I went out like the first week of January, had a few drinks, woke up and I was like, oh, I'm done. I'm done. Like, I just, I, I don't want this anymore. I, I, I feel like crap. Yeah. So it's just been, yeah, nine, nine months. And, but I'm making up for it by eating loads of chocolate, like a lot of chocolate. If you were to pick a period in time to give up booze, it's probably the best time ever. I think so. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. It's like every, everything seems to have been timed perfectly for the lockdown. Like the fact that I, I love running. Uh, so like that's one of the things you're allowed to do at the start of lockdown was run so I was like oh happy days that's that's probably my favorite thing to do in the world and then the pubs were closed so I was like that's, that's no problem that's no problem yeah so you're doing a bit of coaching now as well is that something you always pictured yourself doing when you were an athlete definitely not definitely not I always pictured being a bit of like a mentor offering advice because I would definitely say that as a runner one of my strengths was like remaining calm and focused on race day. So I, I definitely thought I was, as I was a runner, oh, like this is something I could probably teach people, like how, like how to stay calm and, and stay focused. But in terms of like doing a, a running plan or coaching people, definitely not. Because 
I didn't even know what I was doing at the time anyway. Like if I, my coach told me what to do, I just did it. I didn't question anything. But since I started running again, I really had to teach myself how to run, how to train effectively, how to not get burnt out. You know, even though I am definitely not competitive anymore, I still like, I was like, oh, it'd be nice to run a, a fast 5K or a 10K. So I just bought books, like a lot of books on running. And I just, I went through like a good three or four months where I just read nothing but running books, like one a week. And then I just thought, I'm going to write myself a plan. I wrote myself a plan and I ran a 34 minute 10K which I think is faster than I'd ever run in my twenties. I'm pretty sure. Like I never really raced one, but I definitely remember entering one and I ran like 36 minutes. So like that was probably a PB when I was 24. So I ran like 34 minutes and I was like, that's, that's a, that's a good time. I'm happy with that. So people just asked me like, what did you do? Can you, can you give me a little plan? So I was doing it for like mates and stuff. And then I just thought during lockdown, you know what? Load, I can see loads of people getting into running because the gyms are closed. So I just said, look, if anybody wants advice on running, give me a message and I'll do your plan. And that it just it just happened. And it's just I'm doing like four or five a day now, which is <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> so, but I think that mentoring side is still in there because I phone people and we chat. So I don't just like it's not on emails. I phone them, we chat. The plans are only twenty five pound for six weeks, which is like encourages anybody to give it a go and i'm just in touch with them throughout the whole six weeks like people for people for me during runs <laughs> like it's just so that mentoring side is still in there i'm definitely helping people getting out and running it's great so i know that you're giving back i i presume when you walked away you might have been bitter at the time but yeah totally been, yeah de- yeah definitely i was like i walked away and i was like do you know what screw this sport i, I i'm not gonna do anything for it um but now I'm like, you're such a, why you're such an idiot? Why are you so angry with a sport which you love? Uh, and now, like, just seeing how running itself has just turned my life around. Um, I just, yeah, I just think it's something everybody should be able to tap into and it's something that we can all do. It's, it comes natural to us. So if I can just guide people in the, like the right direction, just set them off because the momentum itself, like after six weeks of following a plan, you'll have the momentum to just keep on going. So yeah, I just I just want people running and being happy and, and being good versions of themselves. <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> so one last thing I want to ask is that where do you see the music industry in the next 18 months, oh, two years? My, that's a hell of a question. That's a cool question. Um, sadly, obviously, like the live music scene is this, you know, I... I'm still in a band now and I can't see us playing a gig next year, if I'm honest. I really can't. Uh, because we play in small, dirty venues. I think, like, and that's the grassroots, even though we're not grassroots, we've kind of, we're just old guys. Who It's like our version of a male voice choir. We just get together and, you know, we're not looking to climb a ladder and play the pyramid stage. We're just doing it because it gets us out of the house away from our wives. Um but in terms of like, if I was a youngster, if I was 16 or 17, I'd be heartbroken. I really would be heartbroken. And I think with the, the prospect of gigs happening again, not looking good, I think a lot of young bands might start looking elsewhere. They might start thinking maybe maybe I should get a job photocopying spreadsheets in an office or something. And it's just terrifying. It's just absolutely terrifying to think that 
you know, there's 15, 16 year old boys and girls out there who might be like the most creative people this country's ever produced. And just because of the, the dire state of things at the moment, they might no longer pursue that passion, which is which is terrifying. Um, and I think like bigger bands would be okay. I think they they probably find out a way to fill Wembley with people in cars, so people can watch gigs like that. Um, but I I don't really care about like the the top tiers of music. I really want kids to give it a go, youngsters to give it a go. Like I'm. I'll be honest with you, like, I'm 38, the rest of my band are 38, if we can't do a gig for a couple of years, or write anything, it's, it's no bother, <laughs> like, the world is not missing out, we've probably got nothing exciting to say about the world anyway, but it's just like, yeah, I would love to hear the the ideas of, of youngsters, and unfortunately, I don't know, like, how are they going to do it, How like, how are they going to get together, write songs and do gigs, it's, yes, yeah, it's, it's really worrying. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, totally. It is. It's like kind of being told, look, as an athlete, you can train as much as you want, but you're not going to race. It's like, what's the point? What's the point? You know, because playing live for musicians is that's that's your Olympics. That's your chance to like put on a show and run a PB. That's that's your chance to do something better than you've ever done it before. Uh, and they've had that taken away from them. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's terrifying. Man. It really is terrifying. But you can still go to wear the spoons and like, eat a pie with your mate it's just ridiculous <laughs> something needs to be done we can't even do that here we can't go to the pub anymore you can't can you um no they just brought in new restrictions so yeah we can't go to the pub now yeah i i think like just just close pubs it's it's so silly it's it's mad that they're even open i mean i did a run the other night quite late at night and i ran past the pubs and there was no social distance happening like yeah. none of that and it's just like people can't think straight when they've had a few beers they can't and people just want to hug and yeah. like talk in your face when you're drunk and it's just that is gonna spread covid so just just shut the pubs open libraries or something open <laughs> music venues but don't sell booze okay um so you're on twitter instagram and youtube all your other reviews are up on youtube and yes. follow go and follow running punks definitely give running punks a follow um come join us in our crazy online community of awesome people i always ended up with an outro track so i'm gonna put in mr motivator by idols how did you get to know idols um i got to know idols because they were fans of a band i used to be in uh and they supported my old band uh but i'd left the band then so there was like that connection between my old band and idols and then I met Dev on a night out in Cardiff a couple of years ago watching his other band called Plain Views play. Uh, and then I bumped into Dev about two years later on a night out in Bristol. And yeah, we've just been in touch ever since. So I've kind of just known them through the music scene, really. Good stuff. So we'll finish out on that. What was your thoughts on Ultramano? Big fan. Am- amazing. I absolutely loved it. And, um, oh, you know, actually, I actually listened to it this morning again. And I'm a guitarist, right? And obviously i love the lyrics I, I love all the playing but for me like on this listen this morning the guitar playing on it really stood out as something different to their first two albums as well it's just like there's a band that i definitely know a lot of people that when they first heard idols kind of couldn't see where the band was going to go after that album they thought oh they've got a sound where can they go from that they're destined to be like this band of this size and i just think the transition musically lyrically production-wise onto this Ultramono is just incredible. Like, I, I didn't see it come in. I don't think many other people saw that jump come in.
Yes. Yeah.